Just grab a seat. Again, a very warm welcome if you are joining us for the first time. We do so much love having uh, visitors. And I want to ask you, church, if you could put your hands together now and welcome any people who are joining us online or listening on podcasts. If you're ever in our area, feel free to come and join one of our services. We would love to have you here. Right, church? About five of you. I said, right, church? Amen. Amen. So this is part two of our Easter series on this uh, Easter Sunday called A New Life. For me, that's what God did many years ago. He gave me a new life. I was tired of my old life. I was tired of the life I was living. I was a drug addict. I was lost. I was uh, uh, thinking about what is the point of life. And I had an encounter with God that turned my life around. I came into a meeting like this. I was in Invited. In fact, the person who invited me, he turned up here from London just a, a few weeks ago and ended up sitting with us. Just gave me such a surprise. But I, I want to tell you, God can bring surprises into our lives. He can bring things and people who can change destinies. And when I, when I met Christ that day, I had an encounter uh, with him. I, I mean, I was a biker. I was, a, uh, I guess, a nasty person. By, by, I mean, I might, I might have looked like a teddy bear. I mean, my hair was down to here. My father called me a sheepdog because he couldn't see my, uh, the front of my eyes, but he wasn't a believer then. Praise God. He's in the church now. Amen. And you know how he got into the church? Because his, his, his granddaughter went and said to him, please don't go to hell, granddad. Please don't go to hell. Can you get... He said, I'll take me down the river and baptize me then. <laughs> But God turned my life around and gave me a new life. And maybe you're in need of a new life today. Maybe whatever situation you're in, maybe whatever you're facing, you're in need of a new life today. I want to tell you, like the television says, you've come to the right place where God can do a work on our hearts, where He can take our, our stony heart and give us a new heart, a heart of Flesh. Oh, we don't, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. It's a work of His grace. It's like, it's like what Grace, my daughter Grace, was saying. She's amazing, Grace. Uh, uh, but it's like that grace that God has made available. Uh, uh, what does grace mean? Unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. God gives it to us. It's a gift from God. Would you receive it today? Would you take His grace and allow His grace to touch your life, and to turn your life around as he turned my life around all those years ago. If there's any day God would love to do it, it would be this day on Resurrection Sunday, because how many know he is risen and he has risen indeed. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's clap like we mean it. Now he's worthy of all praise. I want to begin by reading this. Scripture from the Gospel of John. John was one of Jesus' disciples, and it goes like this. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Who was this other disciple? Who was this one that Jesus loved? Well, it was actually John. It was actually the very writer of this gospel, John. I don't know whether he was doing a bit of a selfie here or a bit of a uh, thing. I, who, who knows? But he's talking about the one that Jesus loved. That's me. That's me. 
John. And so she came to them told, and, and told them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other follower started for the tomb. They were both running, but the other follower, and here's John boasting a little bit here, ran faster than Peter. He ran faster. Obviously, Peter needs to get a bit fitter. John was pumped about what was happening, and so he ran faster than Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down and looked in and saw the strips of linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Kind of freaky place to go into a tomb. He bent down and looked in and saw the strips of linen cloth lying there, but did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter arrived and went into the tomb and saw the strips of linen there. He also saw the burial cloth or burial, burial clothes, if you like, that had been around Jesus' head, which was folded up and laid in a different place from the strips of linen. Then the other follower, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And then it says these very powerful words, he saw and believed. What he saw caused him to believe. What he witnessed on that day caused him to believe. What he saw on that day changed his life. Now, as a pastor, one of the things I've been doing this for a long time now, one, one of the things that I've realized just about life in general is that people don't like talking about funerals. They don't like. I mean, you can even actually see from this story, even when John got to the tomb, he was a little bit hesitant to go in. It could be sort of like going to a graveyard. People don't like doing that kind of stuff. It's sort of like a little bit scary, a little bit weird. People don't like talking about funerals or even thinking about them. In fact, no one discusses certainly grave clothes. No one will talk about that. I mean, it's, it's, let's face it, let's be honest, it's just not a, fun, it's just not a fun, fun topic. I mean, people don't talk about that kind of thing. No one has a dinner or a family dinner and sits around and talks and goes, well, what are you going to wear in your casket? What are you going to uh, put on? your?" People don't talk about that. Why? Well, I think the reason's obvious. People don't talk about it because grave clothes are a, are a symbol of death. You will never see shops specializing in grave clothes, will you? I mean, you just won't see shops like that. You'll see shops specializing in wedding, wedding clothes, and you, you'll see weddings on Facebook. You very uh, seldom see funerals. I mean, you won't see any shop dedicated to special burial uh, garments. And I guess if there was one, you could call it clothes to die for. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap. That was a good one. That was a good one. Worked hard on that one. (laughs) But people don't like talking about that stuff. Why? Because grave clothes are a symbol of death. They are a symbol of loss. They are a symbol of pain. They are a symbol of tragedy. Yet on the first Easter Sunday, God took the clothing of death. God took the clothing of death and made it and turned it into a symbol of life. God took the clothing of death and made it a symbol of life. God took what was a symbol of tragedy and made it a symbol of triumph. 
See, the thing about Easter Sunday is, is it's not about a Christ who was alive and is now dead. Easter Sunday is about a Christ who was dead and he's now alive. Come on. Easter Sunday is about a Christ who was, who was dead and, and now he's alive. He lives. He lives. God took what was a symbol of tragedy and made it a symbol of triumph. God can do that and God does that. In Romans 8, verse 28, the Bible says this, in everything, everybody say everything. Not just some things, in everything God works. I don't know what you're walking through right now. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what stuff is going on in your life. But understand this, God is at work. Understand God works in, your, in our lives, everything. In everything God works. For what? For the good of those who love him. Now notice the scripture doesn't say everything is good because not everything is. There'll be some here today and you're suffering pain. There'll be some here today, you're suffering loss. There'll be some of you today uh, struggling from abuse issues. There'll be some of you struggling with addiction issues. There'll be some of you struggling from uh, uh, sin issues. Why? Because we're human. Not because we're just always messed up, but because we're human. So the scripture's never saying everything is good. It would be a fallacy to believe that. But it does say in everything God works. Whatever your everything is, come on, you've got to know that God can be at work in that. You might not feel it sometimes, you might not see it sometimes, but you've got to understand your everything. God is at work for good. Not for your destruction, not for your pain, but for your good. Those who love Him, do you love Him today? About five of you, I said, do you love Him today? Well, no, he's at work in your situation. He's at work in your circumstance. He's at work in your pain. He's at work in your heartache. What for? For your good. For God does that. He turns things around. He can take what is tragedy and turn it into triumph. He can take that which is death and turn it into life. He can take that which is pain and bring good from it. He will do that for you. If you don't believe me, just ask John. Ask the writer of, writer of this, this, this story. If you were, were to ask him, could he do this for me? Would this God do this for me? Well, John, the writer of this story would say, yes, God could. And yes, God can do that for you. Why? Because he had seen it do it for him. He had seen God do it for him. He had seen tragedy turn to triumph. And he knew if God can do it for him, he can also do it for you. Come on, somebody, today, if we would allow him to be at work in our lives. See, John had seen tragedy turn to triumph. John was a witness to all that had unfolded. I mean, as we know, he was the one who outran Peter to the tomb. John had witnessed, remember, the, the tragedy and the brutality of Friday's cross. He had seen it. He had witnessed it with his 
own eyes. But here's the thing. John knew there was still hope. As long as Christ was still on that cross, he he knew as long as there was no tomb, no burial, no grave clothes, there was still hope. As long as he hung there, there was still hope that God would do something. But how many know when the hearse pulls up, when that big black car pulls up, hope departs. Some of you have experienced that in your own life through loss of a loved one. When that black car pulls up, hope departs, finality sets in. When they take Christ's body down, when they place him in the tomb, when they anoint him with burial ointments, 75 pounds, the Bible says, 30 four kilos. And a little aside here, you've got to understand that was not normal in those circumstances. That's 75 pounds of mirror and alloy. Uh, not alloy. <laughs> he would be a car fan if it was alloy. <laughs> alloy. When that was, uh, those anointing oils were rubbed, that is the same type of uh, uh, weight and quantity that was given for a king. You've got to understand those who were burying a king. See, when Christ's body was taken down, when he was placed in the tomb, when he was anointed with burial ointments, when they dressed him in burial cloth, for John, hope departs. And Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred can make the heart sick. I mean, who can imagine what, what John was feeling? I mean, remember, John was referred to, referred to himself as the, the disciple Jesus loved. For John, there could have been no greater tragedy than a dead Jesus. No greater tragedy. I mean, think about it. He'd given the last three years of his, his life to following this Christ. He'd changed his, his, his career to follow this Jesus. For years, he had walked with him. And, you know, who knows what he was thinking. I mean, maybe he was thinking what, I mean, just last week I was with him. Just last, I don't know how this happened. How have I ended up here? I mean, just last week, me and Jesus and my, the disciples were coming into Jerusalem. The people were shouting, holding a ticker tape parade, saying, welcome, ho, 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 Hosanna. The, the, the last week, they were calling them king. This week, they want him dead. Man, how things can change. And how things can turn so quickly, even in our own lives. Those who called him king last week, now calling for his death this week. And so for John, the one who Jesus loved, the disciple who Jesus loved, for John, that Friday, that, that cross, that tomb, those, those grave clothes stood as, as symbols of dreams crushed, hopes deferred, and tragedy overwhelming. So you've got to remember that John didn't know on that Friday what you and I now know on this Sunday. John didn't understand what you and I now understand and are celebrating today. He, he hadn't got that. He didn't understand stand that. 
On that Friday, there was just hopelessness. On that Friday, there was just pain. On that Friday, there was just lost. See, he didn't know Friday's tragedy would become Sunday's triumph. In fact, he'd later confess in John chapter 20, verse 9, he would tell us that the disciples even did not know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They, they didn't know it. They didn't understand what was happening. And isn't that like somehow we, our walk in life, we, we wonder, God, what are you doing? Have you ever done that in the midst of some situation or something's happened and you thought life should be going this way, but then he brings it this way, some curveball comes. And have you, ever, have you ever gone, oh God, why are you doing this? Come on, just be honest now and just say, that's me, pastor, that's me. I've said it before, sometimes we, we act like we know. We act like we've read the, read the book. We act like we, we know what's going on. We go through some hard time or some hard situation. Suddenly God comes in and brings us out the other side. And we go and tell it and we give our testimony. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. And we say, oh yeah, yeah, this is what happened. And, and God did this and God, uh, God did that. And, and, and this happened and uh, that happened. Yeah, and I just trusted God all the way through it. And how many know, actually, as you were going through it, you were going, God, what are you doing? I don't understand it. Come on, be honest now. Come on. We all got issues. We all got stuff that we're working through. We all got stuff. Obviously, only these guys here have. uh, (laughs) Turn, tap your neighbor and say, you have got stuff you need to do. I mean, we all got stuff. Just turn back and say, I'm not as good as you think I am. Come on. That's the truth. Lord Jesus. See, John didn't know on that Friday what you and I now know on Sunday. He was stuck in between. He didn't know Friday's tragedy would become Sunday's triumph. In fact, he didn't know at all that Christ would rise from the dead. So he's stuck going, God, what is going on here? What? what? I've been serving for three years. I've been walking. For th- what, what are you doing? What's the big plan here? You know, we talk about that scripture for God has a plan for our lives, and, 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 and well, could you just show it to me? Please, just, come on, how many have thought that? Would you, would you just please show it to me? We can so easily get stuck in Friday's tragedy. John didn't know what was going on, just like our lives sometimes, just like our walk sometimes. We don't know what. Are you doing, God? We can't see it. That's why we've got to remember God works in everything for good, for those who you've got to understand. I can't see it right now, but he's at work. Oh, I'm feeling pain right now, but he's at work. Oh, I'm going through a difficulty right now. Come on, I'm preaching better than yours. But he's at work. He's at, he's at work in it. And that's why what John did on Saturday was so important. What John did on Saturday and that in-between time was so important. But here's the, here's the thing about that Saturday. We don't know anything about it. We have no passage to read. We have no knowledge to share. 
All we know is that when Saturday finished and Sunday came, John was still present. All we know is John was still there. All we know is that John had hung around. He was still there and very much present on the Sunday. On Friday, Jesus was dead. The, pole, the master's pulse was gone. The, the body was lifeless. John's friend and future seemed buried. But John had not left. Why? Was he waiting for the resurrection? Well, we no. no. As far as John knew, Christ's lips were silent. His hands were forever still. Was he expecting a Sunday surprise? No. Then why was he there? You'd think he would have left. Uh, you would have think after those crucifixion and the blood-hungry soldiers, what they had. Who knows? They might have wanted to go and get some more disciples and crucify. Why did he stay? Why didn't he he go? Why didn't he get out of town? Perhaps he was taking care of Jesus' mother. Perhaps he didn't have anywhere else to go. Maybe he didn't have any, any money or any energy or any direction or maybe all of the above. Or maybe he lingered because he loved Jesus. See, to others, Jesus was a miracle worker. To, to others, Jesus was a master teacher. To others, Jesus was the hope of Israel. But to John, he was all of these and more. To John, Jesus was a friend. And you don't abandon a friend. See, if you know something about John, if you're not new to the Bible, you would know that John was someone who was always hanging around Jesus. He was always near Jesus. He had a habit of doing this. He was close to Jesus in the upper room. He was close to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was at the foot of the cross during the crucifixion, and we know he was only a short run from the tomb. Did he understand Jesus? No. Was he glad Jesus did what he did? No. I mean, sometimes I don't know what God is doing. I, if you're like me, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why, 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 why the war in Syria, God? Why, why, why the pain and suffering? I don't understand everything that God is doing. Did he understand Jesus? No. Was he glad Jesus did what he did? No. But did he leave Jesus? No. What about you? When you're in John's position, what do you do? What do you mean, pastor? Well, I mean when it's Saturday in your life. When it's Saturday in your life, how, how, how do you react? When you are somewhere between yesterday's tragedy and tomorrow's triumph. When you're living on the Saturday, how, how do you act? Do you, do you leave or do you linger? Do you leave or do you stay close to Jesus? Oh, I'm preaching. Amen. Hallelujah. You leave or do you linger? What do you do? What do you do when it seems like all is lost? Do you leave or linger? 
John chose to linger. And because he lingered on Saturday, he was around to see a miracle on Sunday. Because he lingered, come on, I'm preaching good. Because he lingered on Saturday, he was around to see a miracle take place on Sunday. I don't know what miracle you're longing for. I don't know what miracle you're dreaming of, but if you would linger, if you would stay, if you would hang on, and remember, it's not about us hanging on to God. Well, this is not about us perfectly hanging on to God. The beautiful news of the gospel is that God is perfectly holding on to us. He's perfectly holding on to us. John chose to linger because he lingered. He saw Sunday's miracle. It says, very early on, Sunday morning, Peter and John were, were given the news. Jesus' body is missing, Mary said. Running to the tomb, seeing the grave clothes there lying folded. It says of John, he saw and believed. What he saw caused him to believe. What he saw caused him to believe. Suddenly, through the rags of death, John saw the power of life. Tragedy turned to triumph. It's odd, don't you think, that God would use something as sad as burial clothes to change a life? It's odd. But here's the thing, God does that. And we'll do that. The universal symbol of Christianity, the cross. We wear it around our necks and put it on Facebook posts and go, it's beautiful, the universal sign. We, I mean, we would never hang a guillotine around our necks. We'd never hang any other instrument of torture and brutality around our necks and go, look at, look at this. But see, God has taken that, which is a symbol of death and a symbol of pain and a symbol of finality, and he's somehow able to turn that thing and turn it around into a symbol of life, into a symbol of redemption. Come on, into a symbol of freedom, into a symbol of, of I can know God. God turns things around. He can take things that are dead and bring them life. He takes a tool of death, the cross, and turns it into a symbol of love. So it shouldn't be any surprise then that he can take the wrappings of death and make them into a picture of life. Could he take what for you is today's symbol of tragedy? I don't know what that is for you. Maybe you've got stuff, maybe Things have happened to you in your life. But could he take what is for you today a symbol of tragedy and turn it into a symbol of triumph? He can and he will if we will allow him. Could he change? Could a change happen to you? I have no doubt. You simply need to do what John did and that's linger. To don't leave, to hang around and to remember God is at work. As it said in Romans 8, 28, God works for the good. Doesn't mean everything is good, but God works for the good of those who love him. Oh, yes, I've suffered pain. Oh, yes, I've suffered loss. Oh, yes, I've suffered those things. But God is at work. He can turn them around. He can turn them around, and he can do it right here, right now, today. 
Whatever you're facing, whatever is a symbol of tragedy, whatever disappointment, whatever loss, I want you to know here today that you could only be a Saturday away from a resurrection. Because you might have faced tragedy on a Friday. You might have felt lost on a Saturday. But I want to tell you and preach here today, Sunday's always coming. Sunday's always coming. If you would hold on to him and linger. That's why somebody said, the worship team, you can come up, singers, everybody, you can come up. That's why somebody said, and I love it, says, nobody who has truly seen the cross of Christ and experienced the power of the resurrection, nobody who has truly seen the cross of Christ and experienced the power of the resurrection can ever again speak of hopeless cases. Can ever again say that situation's hopeless. That's when people tell me, that person will never change. That person won't make it. I can't believe that. Because I know God changed me. And because he changed me, I was a hopeless case. People told me. People told me. You're going to amount to nothing. People told me. But because I've seen the cross, because I've experienced the power of the resurrection, I can stand here today and I can look at you in the eye and say there is no more hopeless cases. You thought you couldn't change. You thought you couldn't make it. You thought you couldn't get through. But I want to tell you, because of the cross and because of the resurrection, you can change. Why? Because God changed. He took what was dead and He came to life. Because when we look at the resurrection, we can see nothing is impossible. What was dead is now alive. What was a symbol of death has become a symbol of life. I don't know what's dead in you. But I know that Christ can turn it around if you would allow Him. If you would linger. If you would give your life to Him. That's why the Easter story ends. Not with a funeral, but with a festival. Because when they thought it was over, it's not. When they thought he had failed, he hadn't. When they thought all hope was gone, it wasn't. Because what was dead is now alive. What was hopeless is now hopeful. He is risen. Oh, I said he is risen. Christ has risen indeed. And we give you all glory, all praise, and all honor in this place. And so here we are, some 2,017 years after that event, joining with over 2 billion people around the world who have been impacted by the events we're celebrating today. Think about it for a moment. I mean, Jesus is like this backwater peasant. He never wrote a book. He, he never held an office. He never journeyed more than 200 miles from his hometown. Friends left him. One betrayed him. Those he helped forgot him. 
prior to his death, they abandoned him. But after his death, they couldn't resist him. What made the difference? The answer is simple. His death and resurrection. Jesus was dead and is now alive. And listen, when he died, so did your sin. Oh, stop carrying it, people. Stop carrying it. When he died, so did your sin. And when he rose, so did your hope. For when he rose, your grave, your grave was changed from a final residence to temporary housing because of what Christ has done. For when he rose, your grave changed. Your life changed. The reason he did it, your face in the mirror. He did it for you. Would you receive him today? Would you allow him to work in your life today? I said on Good Friday that Jesus was hung between two other crosses with two thieves on them. And those crosses represent choice. One thief accepted him, another thief rejected him. What will you do with Jesus today? Jesus often throughout the scripture gives us choices. He says there's a wide gate and a narrow gate, a wide road and a narrow road. Sheep and goats. What will you choose today? Who will you choose? Choose today. You might well say to me, well, pastor, you don't, I'm a pretty bad dude. I don't know if God would love a person like me. You know what I love? Aaron read that scripture out before. For God so, aren't you glad that God didn't say, for God so loves the rich? Or for God so loves the, loves the pretty? Or for God so loves the, loves the, Loves a skinny, amen, amen, amen. Aren't you glad it just doesn't say, for God so loves white people? Aren't you glad it doesn't, it doesn't say, for God so, so loves just Indians? Or Europeans, or, or this group, or that group? Aren't you glad it doesn't say, for God... So loves just the successful or just the sober or, 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 or just the happy people. Aren't you glad that my Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loves everyone. That whomsoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Nobody is excluded. Nobody is left out. You can know him today. The good book is called the good book. Not because the people in the book are good. But because the God in the book is good. Because he made a way where there seemed to be no way. He changed our life when we couldn't see any way through, when it seemed dead to us, when we, saw, when we couldn't see any way forward and it seemed like the end. What was dead, come on somebody, is now alive 
and can change, and He can do that for your life today. Every head bowed, every eye closed across this auditorium. Today you can know new life in Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. I don't want to finish this service without giving you an opportunity to know this Jesus whom I speak about. The same Jesus who many years ago when I walked into a meeting turned my life around. The Bible says He stands at the door of our heart and He knocks and maybe you can feel Him knocking right now just as I did those 30 years ago. It says if you would open your heart, He will come in. Friend, I don't care if you've been going to church for many years in your life. Do you know Him today? Do you know Him? I'm not worried if you know the book, but do you know the author of the book? Do you know Him today? The Bible says He knocks on the door of our heart. If you would open it, He would come in. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer that would say, Jesus, come in to my life. I need you. You may be here and you know you need to get right with God. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. Say, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? And then we'll all pray together and invite Christ afresh into our life. So if you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, you, you, you say, that's me, preacher. That's me, preacher. I, I, I sense Him knocking on the door of my heart. I want you, wherever you are, wherever you're sitting, to put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Would you include me in that prayer? If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, anybody here, you know you need to get, thank you, sir. Anyone else, you know you need to get, thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else, you know you need to get right with God, thank you. Anyone else, come on, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, madam. Thank you. You know you need to get right with God today. Nice and high, nice and high. Wherever you are, thank you. Thank you, sweetheart, in the middle. Those two girls there. Thank you, thank you over there. All right, you can slip your hands down right now. I want to tell you, heaven's rejoicing right now. Heaven's celebrating right now. For this is the power of the gospel, to see people's lives saved and changed. You lifted your hand up. We're all going to pray together now. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Be the Lord of my life. I've tur- I turn from my sins. I turn from my wicked ways that I might follow you all the days of my life. Help me to live my life for you, to dwell in your house forever. This I ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for those who said yes to Jesus?